On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, OU stuff, recruiting continues to roll, and we make bold predictions for players in 2022. Then D.D. Westbrook joins us to talk some OU football, NFL, and promote his new food truck, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown with any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, August 29th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there's so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of August, visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday afternoon. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you are at it. How are we doing, Ted? I'm fantastic. Little week zero action over the weekend. Uh, enjoying the the last weekend. Uh, not jammed full of stuff to do. So I've had to, I have a good one so far. Yes, it is our it's our last weekend of peace. And last weekend of peace. The last weekend of peace in the season is here, and I can't wait. I am fired up for the season, and something I'm fired up for is for people to hear this D.D. Westbrook interview. <laughs> now, I think it is important. While I do think, I legitimately think it's one of the most entertaining interviews we've ever had on this podcast. There is some strong language from from D.D., and it's it's not like malicious strong language. It's just kind of like funny strong language so just i i feel like we need to just throw that warning out there yeah yeah you're right it's it's the casual uh language to where you almost don't even know it's there if you don't if you're not paying attention you know it's which is why it's such a good interview because it's like a like you're just sitting down having a conversation just to chat it's awesome yeah yeah it's great people are gonna love that so our schedule for the podcast for the season if if anyone is new to listening to the podcast, welcome. Going to be a fun ride. We're going to have a lot of fun. But usually we put something out on Wednesday nights, and that will be our preview episodes. So we'll preview the OU game. We'll preview some of the biggest games across the country on our Wednesday night episodes, which I think a lot of people listen to on Thursdays. And then the stuff we put out on Sunday nights, 
will be our recap episodes. So we'll recap the OU game. We'll recap. Uh, we'll recap some of the biggest games across the country, and then that's that's usually when we work some NFL stuff in there as well. So also normally on those Wednesday episodes, we try to get a guest to kind of preview the o- upcoming OU game with us. So that's kind of how this thing works. So that is that's the plan. And we, up to this point, have been really good to sticking to that plan. Let's hope. Uh, we dodged some calendar issues, I think, uh, so far this year. But you never know whenever something may have to change. Yeah. All right, let's get to the OU stuff. And once again, we're going to start with recruiting. I don't know what's happening, but we're going to do it again because it continues to roll. Man, uh, OU up to the number four class in the 24-7 sports composite rankings after the commitments of Anthony Evans and Makari Vickers. Ted, I, we're supposed to be talking about the season and all this recruiting success is getting in the way of us actually talking about what's about to happen. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, a couple of really good players. Uh, like you said, bumps Oklahoma to that number four class. You got to remember, like we're still in August, and around the Fourth of July, there was from the outside impending doom for Oklahoma whenever it came to recruiting. What they're doing isn't working. Venable's plan is is not good. the The whole "don't commit if you're not ready to commit" has been a disaster. Uh, what are we going to do? There was there was panic in the streets, and you heard the staff say, "Hey, it's July. It's going to be good. We're going to see the fruits of some of our labor. Relax. We're doing well." And here they are with the number four class, with what now twenty one, twenty two commitments. Twenty two. The the crazy thing is, they're not done. You know, assuming they hold on to all their guys, and maybe that's assuming too much in this day and age, but. There's still some some really high level, super high level recruits that they've got um, a really good chance and maybe even lead for right now. So I, it's been great, and it looks like it could possibly get better. Yeah, and you know, starting with the Anthony Evans kid, five uh, eleven, one hundred seventy pounder, but really the big story of it is not only does this kid have elite speed, right? He's a ten to hundred meter guy. He chose OU over Georgia. I, I think that that's really the important part, right? Because we all know where OU's headed here, whether it's next year, the year after, or two years. And those are the type of battles you got to win. So the fact that Brent Venables and LaDamian Washington, it really sounds like Jeff Levy was the guy that really was the difference maker in this recruitment. But the fact that they were able to do that on, kind of on – after the Kale Gundy situation, still able to grab Anthony Evans, and he mentioned how much he loves OU's entire staff, how much love he felt from the entire group. Man, it just it feels like another big win for Brent Venables and this staff. Yeah, he said he said Coach Venables called him every day, talked to him every day. Um, it, it's impressive, and he's you know it kind of cuts against the grain a, a little bit from what we've seen receiver wise from Levy since he showed up. We, for the most part, we've seen some bigger guys, 
Uh, he's a little on the smaller side. Ten twos, ten two, man. It That's doesn't matter how big say. he is. If if your if your size isn't maybe what people would consider prototypical, you better go to uh, speed and ten two hundred meters. And this is in Texas. This isn't this isn't on stopwatches. This is lasered track. Ten legit ten two. You're knocking on the door of world class speed right there. So. To have a burner like that in this class is is awesome, and you know, as I know, his his rating is maybe a little bit lower than than what you would expect with, with a guy that's being so heavily, you know, he he was being fought over over some of the best schools out there. So I think that that Levy Vittables they see something in this kid that you know they would probably rate him much higher than where his official you know. Uh, class rating is yeah I'll, I'll go ahead and i'll side with kirby smart and his staff and with brent venables and the ou staff uh, i'll go ahead and say you know what this this guy's pretty good right if those are the two schools that are really battling for him but yeah it, exciting news you can you can never have too much speed and it sounds like evans has about i mean as much speed as you're going to find from a high school wide receiver so that was exciting but then Macari Vickers, this is it, this one had been in the works for a while, right? This is a guy that is the 85th overall prospect in the class of 2023 in the 24-7 sports composite. 6'1", 180 pounds, long, confident guy that plays with a lot of attitude and once again chooses over OU over Alabama and over Michigan, but most notably over Alabama. and. That being said, the golden hat reveal that he went with, pretty sweet. Loved it. That that was awesome. Yeah, and again, you know, just like with Anthony Evans, uh, Oklahoma beating out Georgia and Macari Vigor, uh, Vickers picking Oklahoma over Alabama and Michigan. We've seen Oklahoma win these battles offensively. We haven't seen it defensively. We just haven't. And that's one of the things that we've continued to say whenever we're talking about a new defensive commit is look who Oklahoma is winning this battle against. And it's, it's really impressive. It shows, it shows the, the impact that Brent Venables experience as defensive coordinator, what he's done at Oklahoma and at Clemson, how, how big of a factor that is to these recruits. And also I think the fact that he is, openly talking about and embracing the move to the sec i think that also helps in defensive recruiting so all of those things put together you just look at this defensive class already and i think it's going to get even better but it all already looks really impressive at all three levels yeah and you look at vickers you go down to the state of florida and you beat out a guy you know you beat alabama out for a guy mm-hmm I mean, that just – that hasn't happened much for yep. OU recruiting. Not just, not recently, like, ever. You know what right. I mean? So, yep. if if this – if it continues this way, uh, Brent Venables, is, he is on a crash course with having the best recruiting class in the history of Oklahoma football. Well, they went into Florida and beat out Alabama. They went into Austin through the – a Longhorn legacy and and beat Texas. They went to to Denton where they haven't had a whole lot of success out of that 
that Denton area with some of these recruits and pulled out a five-star quarterback or uh, in on several other guys out of that area too. I mean, they've, there's, there's a bunch of things they've done so far this class that are kind of like first-time situations, and it's awesome to watch. Yeah, and we'll continue to talk about it a little bit during the season, but we're mainly going to focus on the games and, and on the players that are playing for Oklahoma currently. So we'll, we'll touch on some recruiting stuff, but really this is the stuff we're going to be talking about for the next, what, four months. And we did this last year. We made some bold predictions for OU players this season. And before we make our ones for this season, it's probably important to look back and to acknowledge that, you know, we had some that were pretty solid. We had some that were uh, a bit off, (laughs) a bit off. So one of ours last year, you know, just reviewing last season's uh, bold predictions, we said Billy Bowman would be a freshman All-American. He'd make all Big 12. That did not happen. Now, he was banged up a little bit. I I think that we saw some improvement. They moved him around a lot, but we were were a bit off on that one. Now, I feel good about him being an all-Big 12 player this season, but we uh, that was a miss, Ted. It was a miss, but I'll tell you, I think that – I think last year's season for him, while it was probably painful to go through for him – and maybe frustrating for people to watch for some reason. I don't know. It shouldn't. He's he was a true freshman last year. Very difficult. But to play safety, nickel, and corner as a true freshman is not easy to do. They threw him at corner out there against Quentin Johnston, who's like six four, right? Threw him up against who I I still think he's the best wide receiver in college football. That's that is what I believe. Um, he had to he had to take that duty. He had to he had to play safety and nickel where the responsibilities are like that's where all of the adjustments come within a defense is is those positions and it's difficult and as a true freshman to be able to handle all of that and do it and like I I'm not going to sit here and say that he was great last year but as a true freshman when you grade on that curve I think last year was a really solid year for him valuable experience and it's going to pay dividends for this season and and in the future yeah a couple of the uh the other bold predictions from last season uh one was that oh you would have the defensive player of the year in the big 12 well that that did not happen i think our prediction was that it would be benito that ended up ultimately going to jalen petrie who both of us absolutely love and then I, i think we all said someone would have in the range of 12 and a half to 13 sacks big miss uh, Benito and Isaiah Thomas had seven each. So didn't exactly hit on our defensive uh, bold predictions last season. Right. Um, 11 and a half ended up leading the the conference. Will McDonald, 11 and a half sacks. So a bit out of the range there with 13. Probably our biggest miss from last year's predictions. And then we'll move on to this year's predictions. But we thought Eric Gray could uh, lead the Big 12 in combined rushing and receiving yards? No. And not not even close. I think he was somewhere in the range of 1,200 yards behind Deuce Vaughn. So that was was the biggest miss, undoubtedly. In hindsight, that's the one that – that's really the only one that, like, you brought up here that I feel – 
that one's that's it was a dumb pick. Yeah. We we thought Eric Gray was gonna have a big year with everything we'd been told, right? Kennedy Brooks, you know, he, he wasn't looking great in camp last year, and it turns out that Kenny Brooks was the guy, had a nice yeah. season, deserves more credit. Even but even uh, it's the Deuce Vaughn thing that is like to overlook now, what he's going to do combined rushing. I, I will team. say they are bold predictions. It's not like, <laughs> hey, true. make some predictions where you know you're going to be right. Like these, right. this is the stuff where we go out on a limb and have a little fun. That's right. No, I totally agree. All right, let's get to our bold predictions for the 2022 season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, remember, these are bold, not insane, but bold. I'm going to start. And I'm going to start with one of your guys. Okay. Braden Willis. Yes. Braden Willis. And He's I going to lead the country in receiving? No. No, that would be <laughs> – that would kind of float into the insane category. <laughs> I And I think he will be Captain Willis at some point. I truly believe – he can have more catches, more yards, and more touchdowns this season than he's had in his entire four-year career up to this point. And when you look at the stats, I, and I know that sounds, you're like, dang, that, that's something. But in his career, Braden Willis has had 36 catches, 484 yards, and six touchdowns. I think his role as the season progresses, his role is going to grow. I, I don't anticipate them showing uh, a lot of what they've got for him against UTEP and Kent State. I think they're going to save some of that stuff for later in the season. They love Braden Willis. They love how he goes about his business. And Lebby, Lebby wants to reward guys like that. I truly believe that. I think Braden Willis, once again, if he stays healthy, is going to have a career year, which really isn't saying that much with the type of years he's had up to this point. But I really do think he could possibly exceed his career stat lines in this one season. I think that's I think you're you're dead on. Whenever I look at those those stats there, that would be almost exactly what I would predict that he has this year. So I, I think you're right on the money. And here's the other thing. I, I think the, one of the reasons I love Braden Willis so much is because so many of the things that he does and does really, really well aren't things that show up in the stat sheet. And that's usually that's that's kind of your team needs to be built on those type of players. So I, I love this prediction. I think you're dead on with it. And I I, I firmly believe that our two tight ends – are as tough, uh, are as experienced as any two tight ends in the entire country, and they know exactly what their role is. They're not guys that are there 
that are going to get pissed off if they don't have eight catches a game. They're there to block their ass off and hopefully release to the flat every now and then and get thrown a, a, a ball to the flat or go route over the middle on a backer. But these guys are there to block, and whenever we're in those two tight end sets, they're going to be dominant. And, and I do think that having Daniel Parker changes Braden Willis's role. I, I, I really yes. think – like, you can let Parker handle some of that dirty work that has been all on Willis these last couple of seasons. And, you know, that kind of allows him to use that athleticism we know we've got, which – I think we both feel has been underutilized in his career. Yeah, he's a little more suit. Parker's a little more suited for the on the ball, and Braden Willis is a little more suited for off the ball, moving like some of the split zone stuff, moving across the formation. Um, but that doesn't. The great thing about both of them is they're both pretty interchangeable. But I think you're right that that will play to each of their strong points. Yeah. All right. What do you have as your bold prediction? Uh, I'll start off, and maybe this is dumb. Uh, we missed it last year. I am revising it a little bit, but I'm saying there will be a defensive player that has double-digit sacks. And I think it's going to be stripling, but I it could be an interior guy if we stay healthy there. It could be perhaps a freshman rush specialist uh, if we – are able to get into some of those situations, but I think, um, I think defensively with some of the different schemes that we're going to run. And I think how this whole thing plays together a little bit more in sync. I think we get to that double digit number. It's been a long time since we've had a guy do double digit sacks. And I don't, I'd have to go back to the stat sheet to check that. I'm not sure when it was, but I think we get it done this year. And one thing, and not to go too deep on it, but one thing that will contribute to that is being better against the run. But yep. you you got to get teams in more predictable passing situations and let those guys pin their ear backs and go get the quarterback. But Stripling, and I hey, I think his improvement over the offseason, it it's been beyond impressive just with what the coaches say about him. The guy had one sack last year. And you're saying he's getting to double digits? I think I said that is bold. Will, I'll give you credit. That's bold. Uh, someone will. He's my he's my lead candidate. Uh, you know, here's one of the other things that you've got to factor in. And you know he he was a role player a year ago, but in, in this new, they are not going to rotate on the front line like they did previously. Now. Defensive line, you've always got to get fresh bodies out there, and that's going to happen. But it's not going to be in critical moments, critical uh, situations like it was before where you're constantly rotating. You're sitting there, you know, it's third and eight from our own 25-yard line. You're on the fringe of the red zone. It's like, where's Benito at? Oh, he's standing on the sideline getting a, getting a breather. That's not going to be the case. I think Strip is going to be out there for all the critical uh, spots and – like I said, there's some other guys that may come on. I think there's a chance by the end of the year, Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes may be coming on to to hit a, a high sack number, and you never know what happens from the interior. If Jalen Redmond stays healthy, and I know that's a big if, if he plays 
you know, every single game is healthy and always available. He could throw up a big number two from that interior spot. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's bold. This is what this is for. That's right. I, uh, my next one, I'm not sure it's very bold. As I look at it, I'm kind of like, eh, but I've got that Jalil Farouk will lead the team in catches. And I, I say it's bold just because of the numbers wise. There's so many guys that have the opportunity to do it. I, what, and, and when I think about what he did last season, right, this is a guy that had like four catches last season. So, so to say a guy that had four catches last season is going to lead the team in catches. I feel like that's a little bold. I do. I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe I, I think it's bolder than I thought, but he, and I go back to the body type with him, all, all those bubbles and quicks, like he kind of built like a running back. You know, I, I think Levy's going to want to get the ball in his hands in open space and see what he can do with it after the catch, like use that physical frame. Now, I guess you could say you want to use that guy as a blocker as well, but I, I don't know. I just feel like when, when you look at the wide receiver core and what guys can do after the catch, when it comes to mi- making guys miss running through tackles, I just feel like Farouk is the guy. Now I don't know what type of number, right? I, I think, I mean, OU didn't even have a guy with 40 catches. No, last year there was like four or five guys in the 30s right yeah so i don't know maybe in the 60s for farouk uh to to be the leader on the team something like that i i don't know but that's my prediction jalil farouk will lead ou in total catches i like that all right here's my next one ou will lead the conference in rushing um, we were third last year. We were fifth in 2020. We have not led the conference in rushing since 2019. Uh, I, I think there's going to be with the way that we've heard the offensive line is looking with how I know Levy likes to call the running game. I believe they either led or it was Tennessee and maybe Tennessee one and Ole Miss two in the SEC last year. I think whenever you combine Oklahoma's offensive line, this offense, and potentially what we've got at the running back position, I think you may see one of the best rushing years that Oklahoma's had in a long time. Just to remind everyone, like I said, third last year, fifth in 2020. We were first in 2019, went to the playoff. First in 2018, went to the playoff. First in 2017, went to the playoff. What about 2016? Did not go to the playoff, and we were third in the conference. Direct correlation with leading the conference in rushing and making it to the college football playoff. I have I've made it very well known that I am I am a fan of what Jeff Levy does when it comes to his run schemes, and I don't think I hid that. I had some frustrations with with the last staff's uh, philosophy when it came to to running the football and, and just all the GT counter stuff. So I I hope I get that validation, Ted, because I am a zone scheme guy. There is there's no doubt about it. Now the only when you look around the conference, there there are some things that could maybe hinder OU from being the number one rushing uh, rushing team in the league. 
we have to acknowledge that Bijan Robinson is maybe the best running back in college football. Now, we'll see what that offensive line from Texas looks like. And Quinn Ewers, I don't think he's going to add much with his legs in the running game for Texas. Baylor, Jeff Grimes' system. I know they lost Bohannon, who was a big part of that running game. They lost Ebner. Uh, they lost Abram Smith. They lost all those guys. I still believe in the system. I think they're going to run it really well. And then Iowa State and Kansas State, I, I think both teams that you know we've seen run the football well traditionally, and Deuce Vaughn is is clearly a special talent. And with with what Adrian Martinez brings as a runner, I think Kansas State, if they if they get good play from their offensive line. Kansas State could be the biggest threat to OU when it comes to leading the conference in rushing because of what Martinez brings as a runner. Yeah, I agree with you. And just to, to look at how it broke down last year, uh, Baylor led the Big 12 in rushing offense 219 yards a game. They led by a big margin. Texas, you mentioned Bijan Robinson. They were number two at 199. Um, I said we were third. We were actually fourth in average yards per game. Uh, we were third in overall yards. Um, TCU was third with 196, and Oklahoma was fourth with 187. So if we were to lead, let's say you expect Baylor to be about the same, about 220, we're going to have to take a uh, about a 35-yard-a-game leap from where we were a year ago to pass up what Baylor did last year. But I think it's totally doable. I think that's around the number that Ole Miss had last year in the SEC. And I don't think it's, you know, I think most people would agree that Oklahoma's roster compared to what they'll be going against in the Big 12 will be way better than what Ole Miss's roster was compared to what they were going against in the SEC. Yep. I expect them to run it well. Maybe maybe the best way to do it is say OU's running backs on a, you know, per average basis or, you know, yards per game basis will lead the conference. Because when you got a running quarterback, and I, Dylan Gabriel can run, I just don't know how much they're going to dial up QB run game with him, knowing how valuable he is, is to the team. So maybe I don't it's, think they'll do it much. Yeah. I don't think they'll have to. I'm with you. Okay, along those lines, and this one is bold, I feel like. Marcus Major. Zero touchdowns last year, right? And he had the whole thing start the year, uh, whatever. We don't need to get into all that. But guy did not score a rushing touchdown last year. I'm going to say he has 12 rushing touchdowns this year. I feel like that's a fairly bold number, 12. That's That's what I'm going with. I think if he scores 12 rushing touchdowns, OU's going to be in real in a really good place as a team, but I just think his physicality, he's going to be he's going to be the guy that they go to, you know, down in the red zone, down on the goal line, in, in those when when they get into those situations, and they need to be able to run the football into the end zone and score points. I think Marcus Major is the guy for that task, so. Yeah, double digit rushing touchdowns and I'm gonna I'm gonna tack on a couple. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say he has twelve. I like it. Hey, if he has a touchdown for every time Venables has offered his name up in front of a hot mic, I think you're gonna be safe with that twelve prediction. Uh because you know it, 
I don't I don't remember and obviously it's a new staff, but for someone to be talked up as much as he has, it would be a shock if he didn't play a major, major part in the offense early in the season and all the way throughout, right? I it would it would you would think it would have to be injury or like a fumble problems for him to uh to not not be a heavy factor in what they do running the football. So I I think it's a good prediction. And you know, I think he's he's the guy that you would think whenever they get down near the goal line, he's he's the thick thumper that would that would come in there. So I think it's a good prediction. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Um I've got two more. I'll hit you with this one. I think we will be top three in the conference in total defense. Now, everyone is probably thinking, well, my God, this is Oklahoma. We should be top three in the conference in total defense. Well, some really good defenses in our conference over the last couple of years. And we finished sixth last year in this conference in total defense. If we are able to get up into the top three and improve on that number, by um like how many how many yards we give up a game by that big i think there's a chance that this team could end up turning in a, a really special season i think um i'm trying to pull up the the exact number i think last year we gave oklahoma up oklahoma state oklahoma state led the conference and this is all games uh oklahoma state was 297 a game OU was six giving up three ninety a game. Right. So we would have to be around. If you just look at the numbers from a year ago, we would have to be around that 350 yards a game number. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Now, one of the things that does factor in is how does our offense play, right? You look at how Oklahoma state's offense played a year ago, how, how Kansas State's offense played a year ago. Those are slower offenses that, you know, aren't going to score a whole bunch. So the possessions are going to be a lower number throughout. But, you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to get into that top three number for total defense uh, just with some improved tackling, fundamental play. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to be playing really good football. I and I, I know BV would kill me if if he heard me say this, but I'm really just more concerned about how many points they give up. Yeah, and I I think the standard the kind the standard in the Big Twelve is now twenty points or below, right? You look at what Oklahoma State and Baylor did last year, both giving up eighteen a game. If OU if if OU can give up twenty a game or less. They're going to roll through the conference. No doubt. But if if I said that to BV, he would be very angry because he that I imagine he wants to give up zero points. Yeah. Well, what's crazy, if you go back to last year and look at the, the country as a whole, if you give up 20 points a game or less, you're talking – you're in elite territory. You know, it ends up being about – it probably worked into about the top 25, but you know, like just for instance, 
Georgia was the number one scoring defense in the country at nine and a half points a game, which is insane. But number two was Clemson at 15. So you go from number two at 15 to about number 20 or 25 where Alabama was at 20.2. So that's five points, but you got all those teams in there. So if you get under that 20-point total for uh, points given up in a game, you're doing really well. Oklahoma State, Baylor from the Big 12 are both under that number. Yeah. I've got one more. And I – I really don't know what a bold prediction for Dylan Gabriel is, right? I mean, because it uh, seems like he's going to throw for a gazillion yards. He's going to be really good. So what it what is bold for him? What, Heisman finalist? Uh, setting the passing efficiency record, maybe, for OU, breaking Kyler's record? What was it, 199.2? That year he won the Heisman? Like, I, I don't really know what is – I feel like everything is on the table for Dylan Gabriel. So – I don't even know if I can come up with something bold, man, for him, because I feel like the expectations are really high and not only from other people, but from him and, you know, within the building, like, I don't really know what to, what to predict for him that would be, you know, kind of said like, Oh, that's a little bit of a stretch, you know? Yeah. I I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's interesting. You know, I, I fully expect, I think we did this on the show at one point during the summer and I, I think I said with him like 35 passing touchdowns and like seven or eight interceptions. And that is like to think of that number not very long ago, like that is that's that's a Heisman trophy winning numbers. But this day and age, I mean, that is fairly that's a fairly conservative type of number, which is crazy to think about. I think CJ Stroud was around 50 touchdowns and four interceptions last year. So that's just kind of what you're dealing with, but now nah, I'm I'm with you. I I don't know that there's really a number out there that we would look back and say I'm shocked that he pulled that off. I I suppose the the thing that could be bold is talking about him as a runner, like saying he's going to have 500 yards rushing. Yeah, right. You think about I think Caleb Williams had around 450 last season, but just with how we think they're going to use him and how they're going to want to protect him and, and kind of reduce the hits because of how important he is to the team. I, I, saying he's going to have 500 yards rushing, I guess that could be a little bold. I guess that's in the bolder category than saying, hey, he's going to throw it all over the place and be really good. Not Well, it'd definitely be bold. Do you think it's going to happen, though? No, I don't. Right. But let's just go ahead and put it out there because it's fun. 500 yards rushing for Dylan Gabriel. That's I real do. bold, I feel like. It is real bold. I I do think that a Heisman finalist, I think that's pretty bold. You know, first year in assist, well, not first year in assistant, but OU as a team, it's their first year under Jeff Lebby. I don't think, was Corral a finalist? No. I didn't think so. So I don't think Lebby in this offense has has had a finalist. Um, So, I mean, you're talking chiseling that all the way down to three, four guys in all of college football. Yeah. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we've got we, – we asked you guys to send us in your bold predictions for players this season. This first one comes from Eli Ewing. He says, Woody Washington, Jim Thorpe finalist. The defense is going to be way better at every level, and he'll be locking every wide receiver one down. 
Hmm. It's pretty bold. Very bold. Very bold. Uh, a Jim Thorpe Award finalist. You're going to have to be, unless you have a, a one-off player that has an insane amount of interceptions, which can happen, it, it's, it would be tough to have a Jim Thorpe Award finalist if you're not, if you're not like definitely a, a top 20 defense. You, you need to be a top 20 defense and probably need to be in the college football playoff. I'll tell you this. We had we had Woody a couple weeks ago on the strengthening Oklahoma stuff. He said his goal for the season is 100 PBUs. So I was like, there's nothing bolder than that. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I want to say that's not possible, but hey, man, shoot high. Woody, I'm not trying to put limits on you, man. The the way the only way you get a hundred PBUs is if they're throwing to the guy you're covering like fifty times a game. That's not a good sign. You know, the better you play, the probably the lower those numbers are going to be. They'll yeah. quit throwing your way. <laughs> yeah. All right. This it. next one comes from Carter J on Twitter, who says Jaden Gibson has sixty catches, seven touchdowns, and a thousand yards. How many 70 catches? 60 catches, seven TDs, 1,000 yards. I would say, I would say the catches number, bold. The yards number, bold. The touchdowns number, low. Possible. Yeah. Well, if he has 60 catches for 1,000 yards, he's going to probably be knocking on the door of 20 touchdowns. Yeah. He you may know? win the Blitnikoff. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that would, I think, I think he's going to be, he may be a lower volume catch guy, but it's going to be a high average and a high touchdown number. You know what I'm saying? I think he's going to catch some really big plays, and then I think he's going to be a dangerous threat down in the red zone. Completely agree. All right, this other one comes from Lee English, who says, Agwebu leads the team in tackles. That That one doesn't seem that bold to me. That seems very, very possible. Um, I guess, I guess it's bold in a sense that he's been nowhere close to leading the team in tackles so far. Right. You but know? if the, if the guy's going to be your starting Mike backer and, and it's one of your backers leads the team in tackles, if you're playing good defense, right? That's how it works. Like your safeties don't lead in tackles. Your nickel doesn't lead in tackles. It's going to be one of your inside backers. If you're playing good defense, that's traditionally how it shakes out. So yeah, it, it would be a bad sign if Billy Bowman leads the team in tackles, for example, I will, I'll give you my top three candidates in order for leading tackles. Aguebu, Harrington and Stutzman. You you are on the Justin Harrington train, and so is Taylor McCormick, who said, bold take, Justin Harrington will be in the Thorpe Award conversation come end of season. Well, the reason I have him there for tackles is because he's going to play a lot of the cheetah. He's going to play a lot of the free safety. You know, they may, they may in some formations, they may have him up on the edge rushing. Like he's going to play all over the place, play that third safety in their three man 
uh, like that three three five look. So he's going to be in some really good spots to be a guy that cleans up on big plays. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. the The Harrington buzz continues to grow. Good. He just. <laughs> I hope you know. I'll probably put him in a bad spot. You know, as far as uh, oh, he's just the next Roy Williams. It's fine. He's a he's a beast though, and he does he look good in the secondary or what, man? He looks like uh, as which by the way, our defense looks the part. And you heard Venable say that I guess during training camp, it's like all of a sudden we kind of look the part out there. You got to you know your inside backers go six three six four, both of them two hundred forty plus pounds. You got a safety back there at at six two two hundred twenty pounds. They look pretty good. Yeah. All right, let's get to birthday shout-outs. Welcome to the world, Luke Archer Biggs. What a name. Happy seventh birthday. Uh, Ah, That's got to be a typo. I got to mess that one up. I'm sorry. Cameron? Cameron Lake Goodwin? Yeah, I think so. Cameron Lake Goodwin, the second. Okay, first of all, fantastic name. Happy, (laughs) I'll I'll find it and make sure that I didn't mess it up. Happy ninth birthday to Cooper Thomas. Happy 15th birthday to Blake Hutkins. Happy 21st birthday to Lexi. No last name for Lexi, just Lexi. Happy 33rd birthday to Brian Mattingly. Happy 49th birthday to Craig Techmeyer. Happy 64th birthday to Dean Javine. Happy birthday to Layla Jade Hensley. Happy birthday to Tate O'Grady. That's a great name. And happy birthday to Adam Arana. Arana? What do we think there? What do we think on the pronunciation on that one? Adam Arana. Adam Arana. Okay. I'm still looking. I'm still looking. I'm still looking. What do we think? This is great. Uh, yep. Cameron Lake Goodwin, the second. Nice. Deuce Goodwin. Love it. Very good. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get to our DD Westbrook interview. Just a reminder. Some strong language from DD. <laughs> it's great though. It's not it, it's not it's not malicious. It's very fun. Just a reminder. So you've been warned. But first. The only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P. O-L-I-S-Clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off, buttery soft, and 10% off. 
make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, here's D.D. Westbrook. It is our pleasure to be joined by the 2016 Belitnikoff Award winner. He also happened to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. D.D. Westbrook is in the house. D.D., what's going on, man? Hey, man, what's up, man? How's it going? Thank you guys for having me. Uh, we are we're excited to have you. So, of course, we want to talk some football with you. But, man, you got other things going on right now. Tell us, what, a food truck? You're, you're, you've got a mobile car washing service. Like, you entrepreneurial spirit, man. So, uh, I, I know that fans, they love supporting former players, especially ones that had the impact that you did. So, tell us about everything you got going on and how fans can support you. Uh, uh, man, so I got the mobile detail going, uh, detailing company, uh, how that came about pretty much was I love vehicles, right? I have like what, 14 cars myself. Ooh, and I'm wait, hang like, on, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's hear some of these cars. I want to hear what you got. What, what's, uh, what's your favorite I got one? Some, I got some of the older cars. Uh, so I have a 1973 Cadillac DeVille four door. Uh, I have a 1953 Bel Air, Chevy Bel Air. Um, then I have a 1976 Cadillac limousine. There was only a thousand made in the country, so I happened to get my hands on one. Um, so I'm more into like those type of older cars, like restoring them. You know, they're all when I get them, I pretty much buy the frame. You know, as soon as I get them, I take them straight to the paint shop and to interior guy. And, you know, classic rim and tires, so stuff like that. Love it. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so that set you on the path of doing the detail stuff, huh? Yeah, so I was like, I got all these nice, older, classy cars. Hell, I got to wash them. So that kind of <laughs> got me So that kind of got me uh, started with the detailing company. And um, crossing over to, like, the food truck, you know, the food industry, uh, you know how guys are whenever they go to new places, right? And they always try to find something to connect them with home, you know, and me being from Texas. And when I came up to OU, one of those things that I kind of connect and vibe with is food, right? And so um, whenever I came about, you know, I'm trying to, you know, look and try to find different things that can kind of connect me because, you know, us all being ball players, you know, you get that Christmas and the Thanksgiving, but some of the times you plan, you know, throughout those holidays at times, you know what I mean? To the point where actual Thanksgiving, you're actually practicing, you know, but you get like the week off before or something like that. And so I was like, okay, so what is it that I can do you know, to bring these guys and the people around this area that's traveling from all over to come here and go to school here or, you know, uh, play sports here What's something that can connect them with home as they're here, you know. And so that that was pretty much started the food truck as far as the, the comfort food, you know, the soul food. Uh, I think it's a taste that pretty much everybody can kind of grasp and catch hold to. It reminds you of like Thanksgiving, Christmas, holidays with family. So that type of feel. So is the food truck, is it going to be rolling around Norman on game day? Like where, where can people find it? Uh, so I actually got a contract set up with Cohiba Lounge. It's right there on Campus Corner. Um, the address is 105 East Boy Street, Norman, Oklahoma. So we're there from Thursday to Saturday from 4 o'clock p.m. until sellout. 
and we usually sell out. Right now it's been been kind of crazy, so we're selling out around like 10, 10.30, pretty early. Um, we're also going to be stationed at that same spot on game day. Earlier game days will be out there around 7 a.m., you know, tailgating and everything. So It's going to be cool. Game days, they're going to be wild. And, you know, as we move into the SEC, you feel like it's going to be even crazier. Like, right. Wh- what's it been like when's the last time you've uh been around campus to see uh to see a game see what it's like on game day uh spring game this past spring yeah. game i mean obviously uh it's not really a game day but shit when you got kind of was that day i was gonna say <laughs> when you got 70 some thousand people in the stands that's sort of like a game day somewhere else for sure yeah it but. was uh it was a lot of fun so i now i'm excited that you got all these things going on but are you are you still trying to play? Because I know you were with the Vikings last year. Like, are you still training, you know, staying in shape, just waiting on that call? Yeah, most definitely. So I think I got about three to four more years in me before I hang it up. You know, I've always told myself I wanted like nine to ten years. I think I'll be okay with that, you know, get in, take care of my uh, take care of my business and come out of it healthy. You know, that's obviously the end goal. And right now I'm rolling into year six. So at any moment, obviously I can be gone. That's kind of what you and I spoke about earlier this week. You know, I kind of don't really know my schedule at this point, but uh, I'm glad I was able to take the call for sure. What's your health been like? I know you had the ACL uh, recovered from that. Are you fully healthy, ready to roll? Uh, Yes, sir. Fully healthy and ready to go. Like I said, I'm just sitting here waiting on a phone call. And I know it's going to happen here pretty soon. You know, uh, it's just a receiver market right now. It's kind of crazy considering the fact of, you know, all the money that's kind of been going on and how the market is kind of like swayed, you know. So it's only it's only a matter of time. Right. So I say within the next week or two, we'll have something going. Yeah. And in my experience, that call is going to come when you're like in the middle of dinner or when you're going to be in the middle of doing something, you're going to be like, really? Okay. Yeah. I'll get on that next flight. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's, that's, the cra- exactly- that's the craziest part. That's the craziest part about the business, you know, cause like you can literally be anywhere. Right. Like, and you have no idea and they call and you kind of got to go like, and they pretty much book flight same day. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, grab a t-shirt and some shorts and get on the plane. <laughs> Everything yeah. else can be shipped to you. Yeah, where, so I, where are you right now? Are you are you in the area right now? Where are you doing your training? Where's where's all that going? Uh, I'm in. So I bought a home in Moore last August. So I bought my forever home here in Moore, which is where I am now. So I train out here in Oklahoma every day. Uh, I have my trainer come up from Dallas, you know, so he's a Dallas resident, but he comes here and he lives with me throughout the whole training process. And uh, then I go to like my rehabilitation. It's not really rehab, but you know, maintenance, you know, staying up to date, like massages and cryo and different things of that nature right here and more as well uh, at the OWSPT Center. So it's right off of 19th Street. You know, so everything is pretty like local and convenient. And then I have full access to obviously Morris High School and I can travel down to OU whenever I want to get around athletes or, you know, anything of that nature. So everything is pretty convenient. Yeah, I I got a feeling that if you, you call some of those quarterbacks at OU and you're like, Hey man, can I catch some balls? They're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw, I would love to throw to a guy that was a Heisman finalist. That sounds fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I actually got the chance to meet Dylan Gabriel for the first time. Cool guy, man. Uh, Very open to ideas. We kind of talked about, you know, like transitioning, you know, from obviously uh, college football and to the NFL, you know, and pretty much he was talking about his uh, transition from uh, UCF to, 
you know, Oklahoma, obviously there's like a difference as far as like getting to know the system, learning everybody, you know, being around new people and the university, obviously the fan base, the aspects of things. And seems like a really cool down to earth guy. What's, what's kind of been your impression with, um, the new staff, Venables, and uh, Jeff Levy coming in as offensive coordinator. What what have you seen from them that you like? Well, man, I haven't. I actually haven't got the chance to sit down and talk to Coach Venables nor Le- uh, Levy yet. But uh, I intend to soon. You know, I just try to be out of the way. Like I've been out to a practice before, and things were obviously intense. You know, it's training camp practice or two a days we all know how that goes and so i was just kind of you know staying out the way getting the feel for everything but everything they have going on like the whole offensive correlations and everything of that nature like i like it i'm not really a defensive guy no disrespect coach Venables, but <laughs> uh, but i like everything that they have going on you know like i'm super excited for the year and i'll be telling those guys all the time like never mind me i'm just a super fan you know what i mean i'm an alumni now i'm just a super fan and there's nothing nobody can say about you guys and i wouldn't have your back uh, I'm telling you right now, they're they're going to want to bring you back in the fold, man. They have they're doing a really good job of of making sure that the former players feel welcome and that it kind of feels like that OU family that we always talk about. So you're probably going to get a couple calls after this, if I right. guess. As, yeah, yeah. As long as as long as they don't get rid of those Rice Krispie treats and the nutrition bar, I'd be there every week. <laughs> As long as I don't get rid of those, that's my go-to. You're going to have to pull the food truck up after a practice one day. and uh, I, I saw some food. of the guys, some of the current players tweeting about it. Like, did, did you did you hook them up or how'd that work? I, I know that uh, they had all made their way out there. Right. So, uh, Jaden Davis, right? So, Jaden Davis and I, a uh, cornerback at OU, we've been knowing each other for about three, four years now. And so – uh he's like a food truck guy right like I, it's crazy because i was driving throughout um norman one time i was actually in my detailing van you know and so i was driving and i seen his car i'm like what the hell is he doing so i go over to him and he's literally standing outside of a long line of a food truck and i'm like what, what like what you doing and he was just like man i'm hungry as hell i want some food right and i love eating food off food trucks and so i was like well man i'm in the process of opening up a food truck he was like oh shit for real and i was like yeah and then he asked me about where it was going to be and then i told him so he kind of recruited the guys to come and eat it for the first time you know what i mean and obviously they ate it and they loved it like and i'm not really big on like throwing business stuff onto people like if you come you come if you like it you know I love it you know what I mean but he fell in love with it he said he was good now I don't know if he's saying that you know what I mean because we're good friends or if he actually mean it but we'll see you guys may have to come out and try it yourself so oh (laughs) I'm trying it like there's no doubt now uh, hey I love everything but if you can get Gabe to sign off because Gabe is he is a foodie man that is his specialty (laughs) <laughs> I, I tweet a lot of food pictures a lot okay so some of the stuff on the menu uh we got catfish we got shrimp uh we got cajun pasta uh burgers when the sides we got like mac and cheese Ooh. green beans yams oh um desserts we got like strawberry cookies cookies and cream cookies just different things Sweet. uh so, we yeah, may have so. to put a sexual content warning on this episode <laughs> my goodness that so, yeah, sounds it's pretty, it's a pretty good food like we've been kind of busy like demarco hit me up uh well his wife hits me up uh yesterday and she wanted me to come and and do an event over at their house i think there's like an offensive staff meeting going on but it's just tough right now right because we locked into the contract with cohiba you know and i don't really want to 
get into that. So uh, I told her, like, for sure, like, we can cater it, you know, and then OU, OU having, like, a full athletes thing this Sunday, you know, and they invited us to come out to that. So obviously that's we, – we're only locked in a contract with them from Thursday to Saturday. So Sunday we're free to kind of go wherever we want. So I think uh, we're going to go to the whole athletes back to campus thing this Sunday for OU. So they've been, like, pretty involved, you know what I mean, like trying to help me expand and get some recognition. So that's great. Good stuff, man. I, I, I'll tell you, Cajun, you had me at Cajun pasta and fried catfish. Right. See, but the Cajun pasta, you can put your own little spin on it. Like, so the menu is still like open, right? So we have people that come and honestly like design their own plate. They'd be like, oh, could you throw the Cajun pasta on top of the catfish? You know what I mean? And they just like be making stuff up, you know, because the menu is like so free and open. And with that Cajun pasta, you can throw sausages in there, shrimp in there, chicken. We haven't had anybody throw all three in there yet, but this we're still waiting on that. I've got an idea. I've got a, it. It and it'll you know the marketing is easy. You let Teddy, who is along with yourself, one of the most loved former players right. when it comes to OU fans, let him design his own thing. Call it the layman. You're gonna sell it out <laughs> that, every time. That'll be dope. Hey, we can for sure. Like I said, the menu is still open. Like we can for sure do that. Uh, I had Kenny Steels hit me up. Uh, I'm sure we all know who Kenny Steels is. And he told me his mother, you know, makes like some sauce that you can kind of mix in with the catfish that we're serving. And he wanted to throw that on the menu. And I was like, hell yeah, you can. You know what I mean? Like, that's the point, right? We all coming together, you know, and, and doing something and like kind of like Ryan Broyles over at the porch, right? When it's time to go to a, a bar of any sort, like I know which bar I'm choosing. And obviously that's Ryan Broyles bar, you know, and it's kind of that connection and relationship that we all have amongst each other as far as former players. You know, we support and we look after each other. And so uh, it's just one of those things like Kenny hit me up about the sauce. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, all you got to do is like either send your mother here or send a recipe and we'll get it on the menu. I got to tell you, the first time someone was trying to explain to me catfish spaghetti, I was very skeptical. But whenever I finally tried it, I was in Jacksonville. I know I know what it's all about. It's amazing. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have never, I would never have thought that those two things go together, but it's amazing. I love it. Man, you guys have to try it. So like I said, we open up uh, tomorrow at four over there at Cohiba Lounge, man. You guys should just come out and try it and give me some good feedback or what you guys think, what needs to be done. Cause at the end of the day, it's still, we're trying to get over the hump. The curve is still the beginning phase. So all feedback matters. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I do want to dive into kind of your journey to OU because I think it, I, I remember reading about it, you know, what, what, you know, like the end of the high school years for you and that injury and then ending up at Blinn and then eventually making to OU. What, what was that path like, man? Because I, I think it's one of those stories that a lot of people probably don't know. And it was, right. it was so interesting to me at the time. Uh, man, it's, it's crazy, right? Because NFL was never a part of the picture, right? And, and and I go every day, like, waking up like, God, like, I'm beyond blessed, right? Because not only am I getting to do what I love, I'm able to change, like, my life, you know, my children's life, my family's lives, right? And so um, going over to Bland, it was just one of those situations where it was just, like, fun, right? Like, this is just what I love to do. I'm playing a game. Like, where I'm from, nobody has ever made it to the professional level. Like, I'm from Cameron, Texas, small town population of 5,000 people. So I'm the first person to ever go and accomplish the things that I've accomplished, you know, as far as like in the sports industry. But go over to Bland and Juco football is different for sure. 
you know, like very, very different to the point where it's like, if you want clean clothes, you have to take it home and wash it in your own washing dryer. Uh, you don't, you don't get gloves and cliques. You got to go to Hibbit Sports if you want to dress nice and swaggy every week. Like you got to go spend your own money to get towels and all that other type of stuff. Uh, so it, it was just different, man. And my journey came about with OU. I didn't know a thing about OU, right? Didn't know one thing about Oklahoma. The things that I did know was Sam Bradford. You know, I knew Adrian Peterson. I knew DeMarco Murray. But I never knew where these guys played ball at. You know what I mean? So kind of how the offer came about, I was out there on a practice field at Blend, and all the guys came up and was like, dude, like, OU's here, OU's here. Like, what the fuck? Like, OU's here, right? So everybody was going crazy. Now, these guys are, like, from Houston, you know, they're like from all over. So they are around football. They've seen the guys that they've dreamed of go and play professional football. So they know all about OU, right? And so me, I'm from small town Texas kid. So I have no idea. So I go in. And as soon as I walk in, guess who's sitting there? Coach Gundy, right? So, <laughs> so this and this, this is why from the beginning, I did not like Coach Gundy. So when I walk in, right, Coach Gundy is sitting in my head coach's office. And he had like a recliner chair, like the one I have. So he's leaned back in the recliner chair, hands behind his head, feet on the desk, like on the table when I walk in, right? So I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, who's this guy, right? And so I walk in. As soon as he said the first words uh, to me, he said was, what's your top schools? Like, what's your top five schools, right? So, of course, I gave him all Texas schools. I was like, Baylor, Texas A&M, Texas Tech. You know what I mean? I just gave him all Texas school. He was like, well, I, I didn't hear OU anywhere in your top five. And then I was like, uh... Well, Coach, to be honest, like, I don't really know too much about OU. He was like, well, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, those schools that you just named are Ford F-150s, and OU is your Mercedes-Benz. So you pick and choose which car you want to drive. And I'm like, well, I am kind of a car guy. So, <laughs> so and yeah, so, but when he said that to me, like, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I want to go somewhere and play against you guys, you know, and, like, beat y'all since y'all are that good, right? And... Yeah, by the time I finished that, I could get a phone call from my mother. And I answered. I'm like, hello. And she was like, Didi, you would never believe who's sitting here at the house. And I'm like, who? And she was like, Coach Stoops. Like, I'm sitting here talking to Coach Stoops. So Coach Stoops was in my hometown as Coach Gundy was there with me. And so I ended up getting in a car with them, drove out to Texas. They ended up setting me up on an official visit. And I went there solely off the strength because of my mother, right? She was just like, Didi, you have to go. Like, I love Coach Stoops. He means the world to me. So I went, they set me up with Sterling and I literally committed the same day. Like I, I got, got here, like the college atmosphere and I don't think they could have picked a better host besides Sterling, you know, cause it was just like the things that he accomplished here at the university and how they treated him, you know? And I was like, that's what I want. You know what I mean? Like that's who I want to be. And so I never really had anybody that I looked up to because I didn't know anybody like NFL wise. So Sterling is like, it's crazy. Cause I think he still noticed today, like, that's who I try to model myself after because it was like that was the closest person to me as far as football. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so he kind of – him and Baker. Baker was like my host as well, but it was Baker and Sterling. So, yeah, man, uh, that's kind of how that's kind of how I got to OU. That's pretty – it's crazy story. Uh, we're very thankful for your mom uh, <laughs> convincing you to come to Oklahoma. But even, you know, whenever you got rolling here, it was fairly quiet until – Boom, you had that huge day. It was a TCU, right? Right, you know, correct. You had that huge day. And then from that point on, it was, you know, it was right. wild. See, so, uh, so going into it, like training camp, I had like kind of strained my hamstring, right? And so uh, 
Coach Stoops, I kind of told Coach Stoops about it. And he was kind of like, well, DD, I don't want to mark you off, you know, as far as like not playing because we don't want people to game plan against us as far as you not being out there. He was like, so if you can go, try to go, you know, and I'm one of those like people like, fuck, if I can play, I'm gonna play, you know, or if I can try to at least. And so it was kind of one of those situations, but I'm not sure if you guys remember, but after that uh, ULM, I think we played Houston, ULM, then Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but started after that one Ohio, and two. Yeah, yeah. After that Ohio State game, remember we had the bye week rolling into TCU. And so throughout that bye week, you know, I was able to sit down with Coach Stoops one-on-one and told him, like, what I needed to do. And I was like, man, what I need to do is rest, right? Because I'm out there practicing and I'm training and I know what my hamstring is doing. And so he gave me that opportunity to rest for that week, rolling into the next week. And that's kind of how the whole big year happened. Yeah, uh, 1,524 yards receiving and 17 touchdowns. That is... That's definitely a big year, man. When you think back on that 2016 season, man, what are what are just what are some of your favorite memories? Texas. Um, I mean, obviously, what two thirty four? Was that yeah? That's the record, uh, right? That was like, broke the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the thing about Texas, right? I had a uh, like. Obviously, Texas is in my backyard, like UT, right? I'm 40 minutes away from Austin, my hometown. And every school in a Big 12 offered me except UT. Like, that was the only school that didn't offer. Now, granted, it was in between periods of Mac Brown leaving and Coach Charlie Strong being hired. You know, like, it was during that phase. Uh, but obviously, that was, like, a huge game for not only me, but Baker as well. Like, we would be in the locker room talking about it, and he, like – he'll hype me up, Didi, they ain't fucking give you an offer. You know what I mean? Like, you know how it is in the locker room. So uh, it was like one of those things. And I was like, hell yeah, bro, you right. You know, so. That, we You're right. That they chip. did it. Yeah. So we kind of put that chip on our shoulder and went out there. And obviously, like, we always from that area. It's crazy because obviously you got Samaj. J. You know, he's from, um, uh, what is it, uh, San Antonio area, Austin, I believe. You got uh, Samaj. You had Dimitri Flowers. Uh, San Antonio, you had Baker right in Austin, then you had me, which was 40 minutes from Austin, and all those guys played a huge point in obviously winning that OUUT game, and I was like, dang, like, that's gotta suck, but like, you, you know what I mean? That's gotta suck. Well, so, I, they should have fired the whole staff then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, obviously you had a good relationship with Baker. Uh, you guys had that that connection that was just unbelievable you still talk to him have you have you uh yeah, so Baker, Baker and I, man it's like a like crazy I mean you guys may have heard the story before but how me and Baker connected on another level it was deeper than football so to say right uh so when I first got to OU Smitty we all know Smitty uh I was kind of late at the beginning you know to like workouts we had 5 30 in the morning workouts and I was having car trouble so I was late right so I was on the Stairmaster every day and so Baker comes up to me. He was like, man, what's going on? Like, why are you late to practice every day? And then I was like, man, I'd be having car trouble. You know, and he was like, man, we in this thing together. You know what I mean? Like where you live and I'll come to you and like make sure you get to workouts and stuff on time. You know, and so like I said, we had 530 in the morning workouts and I stayed 15 minutes, 20 minutes away from campus. Baker stayed on campus. Right. Right off Lindsay. And Baker, he had his Toyota Camry. It was probably like a Pretty 1996, y'all. <laughs> Black Toyota Camry, right? And so 
Baker pulls up at my house at like five o'clock every morning, which means he had to wake up at four thirty, you know. So he was making that ultimate sacrifice just so I can get to practice on time. You know what I mean? And it really had nothing to do with him because at the end of the day, I was the one on the stairmaster, you know. But it was just the fact of him, like that's just who he is as a person, you know. So he was just going out his way, making sure I got to practice on time. And of course, those car rides to and from practice pretty much developed that relationship to the point where when we got out on the field together, it was just all chemistry, all uphill from there. So Probably really a- quiet on the way to workouts, but on the way home, probably a little more talking, right? Right. I mean, it was just, it was, we just talked about everything. Like he knew, he knew everything. Like he knew my life, my childhood, vice versa, you know, like, so it was just that point of us just riding 15, 20 minutes and developing a re- relationship. So it was like when we got out on the field, like I would go to bat for him way outside of football. Like it wasn't even a football thing. Like even right now today, you know, when we speak to each other, it's never really about ball, right? It's just about everything that's going on in each other's lives. So that, that's my guy. That's my dog. So with, you know, with that relationship you had with them, how cool was it? going through the Heisman experience with him that year, right? What was it? Deshaun Watson, Lamar right. Jackson, you, Baker, and I think Peppers. Peppers. Yeah. Yeah. How how was that, you know, just on your own, but also just going through it with a guy that you were so close to? Man, it was dope, man. Uh, it was dope. Like, that Heisman experience, all that stuff was dope. Like, if I can change one thing about that, the only thing that I would change is the food. Right. Because it was all fan- like I'm not a fancy guy at all. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty much like McDonald's, you know, like I'm, I'm that type of guy. Right. Waterburger. And we was there and they was giving us steaks on chips. Right. And it's like, what the fuck? like, you know, I ain't never had that before. At that time, I had ne- never even had a steak before. You know, and now they're giving me stay. And I'm like, hey, man, where's you guys as close as McDonald's, right? And it was crazy. I may have sounded like a brat, but we literally had a guy for every meal go and get me McDonald's and bring it back <laughs> to, like, the cer- to the ceremony. I swear. And, like, Baker was like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, all this good food here and you choosing to eat McDonald's, you can get McDonald's back in Oklahoma. And I'm like, yeah, you don't understand. McDonald's tastes different in every state. So <laughs> that was the objective for me. But it was a really good time, man. And, uh... It's so crazy because Baker would literally come into my room before and he'd be like, do you have your Heisman speech ready? And I'm like, Baker, what the hell is you talking about? And he was like, Didi, you do realize there's like a huge possibility of you winning this thing. You know, and I'm like, there, like, there's no, like, those moments was just surreal. Like, he was doing the same thing at the award ceremony for Belitnikov as well. He was like, you got your speech? And I was like, for what? And he was like, Didi, like, you're going to win. <laughs> You know, and it's just like one of those moments, right? Like I didn't, I had no clue. So when I went up there, I was like, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> like I wasn't uh, expecting it. I was just you. along for the ride. Whenever he, whenever he told you, uh, w- do you have your speech ready? Did you get like instant nerves? Right, uh, nervous, <laughs> nervous as hell. Like it was bad. Like the whole what thing do you mean was speech. Bad. Oh, that's great. Yeah, like the whole thing was bad. And then he got on to me, right? Because like. I wear my favorite socks. So if you go back, I think there's a picture taken. Uh, I had my favorite socks on. And Baker's like, dude, aren't you going to put on like like church socks? You know, like the little, little thin ones? And I was like, nah, these are my favorite socks. And he was like, you look like a jackass with those socks on, right? Because <laughs> they did not match my suit at all. Like, it was like bad. And so I went and I think they snuck a picture on me. I might try to find that picture and send it to you guys. But they like snuck a picture of me with my pants up and you can actually see the socks. <laughs> it's like, it was just bad. 
my mother was like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, the, the, that, that's so good. So, yeah, crazy. I mean, just w- when it comes to when it comes to the NFL stuff, just, how, how do you feel it's gone? Man, I know it's been a little up and down for you, a couple injuries. I just where are you at kind of mentally with what your career's been like up to this point? Oh man, at the end of the day, like the NFL is is you guys know, you know, it's it's kind of like all about opportunities, right? Like, could I still play ball? Like, yes, obviously, you know what I'm saying? I could still play ball, but it's also about the opportunities. You get what I'm saying? So it's like whether if you put in that position, would you be able to take it by the horns and go full full fledged. And it's like, I know that I can still do that, right? But it's just the only the only thing is like the opportunity. Like if I can get that opportunity to go out there and showcase, you know, my talents or what it is that I can and cannot do, I feel like I would be better off. My career would be better off, you know, like it um obviously it has a lot to do with me though. Like coming into uh the Minnesota year uh, off of tearing my ACL, it kind of stinks because they I thought it was a good thing, you know, but they were like, hey, we're going to let you miss training camp to like rehab your knee, build your knee up, get strength within your knee. And I was like, OK, like, good. Like, that sounds out. It sounds like they're looking out for my health, you know, but obviously throughout that training camp process, there are guys competing every single day, getting better every single day, you know. And so then rolling into the season, I'm like, hey, yeah, like I'm ready to go. But then K.J. Osborne had a freaking phenomenal training camp, you know, and obviously with the way of ball, like you pretty much ride that wave all the way out until you can't ride it anymore. And that's kind of how the situation came about in Minnesota, you know, and so they just had me like primary punt returner. But going into it, they wanted me to come there and play wide receiver three outside of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And they were like, Didi, we're going to give you this a month off to you know rehab get your legs stronger because it's a long season and I was like okay cool like that's great you know but then it turned around to like kind of bite me in the end and then also like now it's kind of like the same situation right it's like I'm sitting here I'm doing my everyday training every day but then the season is what two weeks away you get what I'm saying so it's like okay now you're kind of back in that same situation that you were just in last year it's kind of hard to showcase your ability throughout season you know what I'm saying? Unless there's like major injuries or something like that, you know, but like everything is one throughout OTAs and training camp, like every job. So it, it's just one of those things. But at the end of the day, like I trust the process and, you know, and this isn't the first time my back has been against the wall and I know how to come out swinging. So I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah it's tough to get that chemistry too. You know, if you, if you just right. roll into the season without having a, a bunch of reps together, any ideas, like are there, are there any places where, uh, you feel like you could roll in and have some chemistry there, or maybe you've talked to your, your, your agent or, you know, you know, some people on the roster, just, you know, a couple of places, maybe you have your eye on. Uh, right now my agent is pretty much saying uh, Minnesota is still an option. Like they've been circling around and coming back, but Buffalo and Green Bay Packers. And I think for me, like the best business decision, if we're speaking like business, I think Green Bay would be, a great business decision. Granted, you know, obviously Devontae Adams leave and then you send the stuff on the um, internet or TV about Aaron Rodgers talking about the younger receiving core, you know, so I think that'd be a great fit for me, you know, but at the end of the day, it's not really my decision, right? Is, you know, whenever they pretty much need me, I got to be there to go and soak up the game like a sponge and pretty much learn the playbook so I can get out there as soon as possible. If you go to yeah. Green Bay, you're going to have to drive that food truck up there. I don't know. I don't know if there's much food in 
around that area. Very <laughs> small town. There's not many options. You will have McDonald's though, I think. Right, for sure. Uh, I was actually, um, we played, when I was in Minnesota, obviously we played Green Bay and that was my first time going. And I didn't realize like the stadium was literally in the middle of the town, so to say, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's right dead in the middle. And then they were telling me like, uh, every fan or every person that stay within the city owns a share of the uh, NFL team. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like I was talking to a guy just randomly talking. He was like, yeah, man, I'm part owner of the uh, Packers. I'm like, there's no fucking way. They are, but they aren't. It's, yeah, it's like, a weird, it's a weird like, thing. Yeah, how those owner, shares work. I was like, boy, there's no way. Like get the hell out of here. Uh, he and, may be yeah. part owner, but I don't think he's getting part of the profit. <laughs> Correct. Well, Didi, man, this was this was awesome. Obviously, everyone go eat at DD Westbrook's food food truck. You can find it there in Norman, man. This was great. Thanks for the time, bro. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. I I got a feeling a lot of people are gonna be stopping by that food truck. I know this sounds awesome. I love what he's doing, man. He's a go-getter. Um, you know, I hope he finds a way on a roster here. That that Green Bay situation where they have had a trouble with some of the younger wide receivers, that sounds that sounds pretty cool. If that was uh, to happen, that could be an awesome opportunity for him. Yeah, man. Guy still wants to play. Hopefully he gets another opportunity here very soon. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first... It's time to get back out on the golf course, people, and there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby. Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool after mowing the lawn, whatever. You haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet. Go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. I think they got some new flavors too that just dropped and a new can. Yeah. So uh, Clubby's, uh, Clubby Seltzer's doing some really, really good stuff right now. If you like to find a place near you that has Clubby's, visit ClubbySeltzers.com. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Are you looking to buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? Use the Ronaldo Cloud Group. Stacia Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave Gabe. They sold a house for Gabe. They found a house for Gabe's brother. They also found a house for Lane Johnson. We can't recommend them enough. You can reach them by calling or texting Stacia at 918-671-6450, or you can contact them on Instagram at at soldbystacia and at soldbymaddie underscore. As always, Ted. 
kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, uh, my winners and losers are going to take a Nebraska theme. Uh, the winner, I had to go with the uh, Aviva Stadium over there, which, by the way, I wasn't sure what the turnout was going to look like playing a, a game in Dublin, but it was awesome. That place was packed, uh, at least from the crowd shots that I saw. It looked like it was packed. Uh, it was a really good atmosphere. Problem is, they lost internet. During the game, it's a cashless stadium, so the beer lines were were stopped. Finally, they just said, free beer. So they started uh, filling up the cups for free. That got the crowd back on their side, and uh, I did see the cup snake that was about 10 sections long, which was pretty funny. It was it was a two-level cup snake. <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah. it went up one and then up into, like, the upper deck. I... I've never seen a cup snake of that magnitude. That was that was awesome. It probably was the highlight of the game for a lot of Nebraska fans. Kind of felt like that took over as the uh, the most important thing happening that day. I, I and I saw this from our buddy Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter. I I guess one of his buddies was at the game, and he I'm not sure if he was joking or not, but he said that one of his buddies there said the concession stand asked people to like write down their name and how many beers they had. I, I don't know if you talk about the honor system, like <laughs> there's no way just tallying up. <laughs> That's great. That's I, hilarious. I, I couldn't believe that, but I mean, maybe the Irish people are like, Hey, these, these Americans are reasonable. They'll, yeah. they'll tell us the truth. Maybe that's something that would work over there. That would not. That does not work with a bunch of Americans. Okay. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's a sad realization, but yeah. And I don't even know how you would keep track of that. But that that's fantastic. Just keep a tally of it. Just like like uh, it's like a running tab, right? We'll just jot it. We'll just mark it down. Yeah, I. I don't know, but I, I was happy that that because the stadium could have just said no beer. You know, we the the system's down. They did the right thing. They made the right call. Yeah, which that 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 would have been a. I guess it already is a disaster. But can you imagine, like how, like frustrating that has to be for whoever is in charge of like this. There's this huge event going on, and we're going to sell a ton of beer. This is going to be awesome. And then you lose your connection and you just have to give it away for free on the back half of it. That's got to be someone took a beating on that deal. Yeah. This, this is the tweet from uh goalie junior just heard from a friend that beer vendors asked them to write down their name on a piece of paper to come back and pay for their booze after the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not happening. No chance. Uh, well, that's awesome. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Oh, I don't. Nebraska, Frost, Nebraska fans. I, I mean, you could fill in the blank. Uh, anything Nebraska after that. This is an important season. It was an important game, and you know, I took the bait thinking that. This Nebraska team, I I don't know necessarily. I thought that they were going to be like a lot better than they were a year ago, 
but I thought that there was going to be at least some type of improvement and maybe win some of these one score games that they're, they've been so, you know, I guess you could say unlucky with, but you know, Hey, it's, it's, it's how it goes. You got to find a way to win those, but they, they totally look like a team to me. And I'd love to hear your, your impression. They just didn't look prepared to play. They lost on the details. They lost on mistakes. They, you know, and even Frost with the onside kick, no reason to, no reason to, to make that play right there. So I, I don't know. I just, it was bad. I can't imagine being a Nebraska fan. You know, we beat uh, Northwestern 56 to seven last year, and we weren't very good last year. I'm going to fly, fly halfway around the globe, spend a ton of money doing so to watch us get beat by Northwestern. That's got to be incredibly frustrating. And frankly, I'm shocked that he hasn't been fired yet. Well, you shouldn't be shocked because his buyout gets cut in half on October 1st. Ah, so October 2nd or 1st. So I think they've got a, they've got a bye week, like the second or third week of October. That's when he's going to get fired. Ah, okay. Gotcha. But uh, I continue to be baffled by Scott Frost's post-game comments. Uh, The fact that he threw his offensive staff under the bus uh, really bothers me. Right. Uh, What do you say? I think our offensive staff has to learn. You've got to be a little more creative in this league, I believe was the quote. Whatever, man. I, Whatever. The the bottom line is, and, and you can say that Nebraska lost in the details, and I agree with that, even though Northwestern had way more penalties than Nebraska did. I think Nebraska only had like one penalty in the game. Well, but, here's the, the reason I say that is by a couple of turnovers, um, you know, not catching catchable passes. Right. Like they even had, they even got a turnover on, on like it bailed them out of a, of a horrible play. They're in bear and Northwestern runs it right at them. Mike backers totally cut off. It's pathetic. And it squirts out for like a 25, 30 yard gain in the running, the Northwestern running back fumbles. And, you know, they run off the field. And I'm sitting here saying like, that's terrible defense. That's God awful. There's no way Northwestern should be able to blow you off the football like that. And that's where the game was decided. Northwestern's offensive line kicked the shit out of Nebraska. And you go back, especially in that second half. Terrible. And I mean, Northwestern, Northwestern with, and no disrespect to Ryan Halinski, but, and I thought he played well. I thought he really managed the game well for Northwestern. He was great, but he wasn't pressured like the entire game. I mean, Northwestern offensive line destroyed Nebraska. Northwestern had 528 yards of offense. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, the, you know, Hole and Porter, the two running backs combined for like 213 and two touchdowns. And that's why Kurt Anderson, the offensive line coach from Northwestern, do you see his tweet after the game? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't see it, he said, quote, and to think we only puked five times all camp, uh, which is hilarious. And fun fact, Kurt Anderson was the assistant offensive line coach in Buffalo when I was there. Oh, nice. Michigan nice. man. He is he is an offensive lineman through and through. So hit and send on that tweet 
I guarantee you felt so good for Kurt. crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a couple of times and it's hard to tell on the TV shot, especially whenever you're in the pool with a couple of beverages, but there was, there was some like on Nebraska's offensive line, big mistakes in protection, totally turning guys loose off the edge. Um, you know, and, and Thompson's under all kinds of pressure back there. Their defensive line, they have a defensive end, Nebraska does, that's like 300-plus pounds, just totally guessing on the edge, getting his ass kicked, peeking in, getting cut off. It's just terrible, man. They, that's what I'm saying. They look totally unprepared to show up and play that game. And it's Northwestern. All due respect. They played well. They they had their backs against the wall. Nebraska kind of let them off the hook and opened the door for them, and they did a good job down the stretch. But that is not a good football team. It's it's they're just not. They'll be what five hundred at best this year, you know. And I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. I thought we would see a Nebraska team with way more fight, uh, way more prepared to win, way more prepared to play. It just it did not look disciplined it did not look detailed did not look tough did not look physical not good yeah yeah i felt bad for casey thompson right especially like it started so well for like he just came out slinging that thing and then a few mistakes here a few mistakes there like obviously the the picks were were massive in the football game but yeah, but man. Those are two catchable balls, right? Yeah, I agree. Catch the ball. They're not perfect, but you gotta you gotta make that play. It's just, I don't know, man. Um, you know, the one was tipped, and the other one, I thought I thought the guy totally gave up on the route. He and, just stopped. Yeah, it was bad. I don't know, man. It, they were dry, they was like check, they couldn't even throw a check down. Like the running back is is not running the check down right. Poor Casey Thompson back there is like, what the hell are you guys doing? Was, yeah. I don't know. It was frustrating to watch. And, you know, here's the thing, though. I'm not saying that Oklahoma, we should be a vastly superior team to Nebraska whenever we go play them. But they will be way better than that whenever we, we show up. Yeah, you do. If you're an OU fan, do not expect to see that version of Nebraska here in a couple of weeks in Lincoln, because right. they're going to play as well as they can possibly play. That's just how it works. Yep. That's how it works. But Scott Frost moves to five and twenty-one Ugh. in one-score games at Nebraska, which truly is. I mean, it kind of just defies statistics when it comes to randomness and all and luck and all those things. Like I. It's incredible, man. Yeah. Well, and special teams has been an issue for him. Last year against Illinois in their week zero game. What did they get a did they get a like an extra point blocked that got returned or something crazy happened in that game? Um, they they figured out every way to lose last year. And I, I'll say this as far as and, and Scott Frost, he took responsibility uh for the onside kick, but Northwestern is not the team to try it against. It's just yep. not like it, it's not. You, I, and I know that sounds stupid, but it's like, and by the way, Pat Fitzgerald's a hell of a football coach. I think everyone yes. knows that already, but hell of a win 
for the Wildcats and they deserve their credit. But I don't know. When I think Northwestern, I think very detailed on special teams. I'm not trying one of those against them. Yeah. That's just me though. Yeah, and and the surprise so the reason that is is a good onside kick or it, it used to be a good onside kick is because the front line guys on kickoff return are under an incredible amount of stress. They have to see the ball kicked, possibly go recover it on a short bouncer like that, which is, that guy made it look easy. It is not easy to do that. Or you have to haul ass backwards and then block like a safety or a linebacker that's running full speed trying to cross your face, it's really hard to do. But in this day and age, whenever there's a a far less likelihood of a return, like you know your guy's going to fair catch it on the back end, there's not nearly as much stress to get back. So you can wait a little bit longer on the front line, and I I don't know. I just – it was a bad call. You know, it's one of those that I don't even think it's a – hindsight it was just it's just you didn't need to you had just scored a touchdown it you looked like you were the better team and uh ready to maybe walk away with the thing and it let him right back in yeah blew a couple double digit leads no big that, deal they'll always have the free beer man I'll always have the free beer yep. all, right. all right let's get to my winner and loser but first First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with Jim Harbaugh because a lot of coaches say they have two starters publicly, but you usually name a starter. Well, in only Harbaugh fashion. He he has taken things to another level. He has announced that Cade McNamara will start their opener and then J.J. McCarthy will start their second game. Then they'll make the decision. And it, it's goofy because it's coming from Harbaugh and it just seems like everything about the guy is just weird. But, Ted, I'm not going to lie. 
I, I kind of like it, man. I kind of like, hey, you two, go prove it. I'll make the decision after I see you each start a game. Yeah, I I don't know. It seems it's it's very strange. And it's hard to believe that through all of this, you still don't know who the better quarterback is. And at what point are you stunting whoever it is by taking a start away from them in the season, you know, but yeah. Hey, Harbaugh's been a dude that doesn't care about any of that. He marches to a uh, beat of his own drum. That's for sure. Yeah. So I, uh- Interesting to see how that Michigan quarterback situation uh, ends up playing out. I also thought about going with Max Verstappen. Formula One is back. Summer break is over. And despite starting in 14th, Verstappen just completely dominant at the Belgian Grand Prix. One by 18 18 seconds. Why are you making that face? He started in 14th and one by 18 seconds. Correct. Uh, he was very complimentary of the car after the race. Well, I guess. Wow. Yeah, it was. That's embarrassing for the rest of the field. It it was. It was quite boring to watch. I watched it anyways. I mean, what else was I going to do on a Sunday morning? But yeah, it was. It was pretty impressive. Dang, that's wow. Hats off to uh, Verstappen and crew. Yeah, but my winner of the weekend. And this, I assume this is going to be, uh, I think this is the first time and it may be the last time, <laughs> Vanderbilt football. Because I it, I poked fun at Clark Lee when he said, you know, Vandy, we all knew they were going to be the best program in the country uh, eventually. Uh, I still don't believe that. But that journey started this weekend with Vanderbilt going to the island and smacking Hawaii 63-10. to 10. And you may be saying to yourself, well, what's the big deal? They went and beat Hawaii. I I cannot stress enough. Vanderbilt in their season opener last year got beat at home by East Tennessee State. Whew. So this is a big deal for Clark Lee. It's a big deal for Vandy alums. It's a big deal for the players on that team. Had a couple of defensive touchdowns. Uh and they have a quarterback to be excited about, man. Mike Wright, I, I really don't know how well he throws it, but that dude's got wheels. He can run, and he had some electric plays in that game. I was up late on Saturday night watching it going, okay, I mean, not too bad. Now, Hawaii is one of the worst teams in the country. They may be the worst team in the country. If Wright can become a little more of a polished of a passer, it'll be interesting. Now, I think they're still going to get housed in (laughs) SEC play, but it's kind of similar to how I felt about Kansas last year where you could see the improvement, right? It may not result in a ton of wins, but it feels like the improvement is taking place at Vanderbilt under Clark Lee. And maybe that, maybe that makes that new V logo a little more tolerable to the fan base, knowing that they're getting a little, little better. Cause that'd be, it's off, man. It is off. Yeah. And this is good news because for a little bit, I was worried that maybe he had somehow switched dimensions to where maybe there's a parallel dimension somewhere where Vanderbilt is actually 
like close to one of the best programs in the he, country. He's in the upside down, like in Stranger Things. Yeah, there's there was like somehow he crossed this barrier and just didn't know where they were. But I, this is a this is a move in the in the right direction for Vanderbilt. I like it. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I once again, they're not going to do any damage in the SEC, but it it was fun watching those guys, and they got down early, like. Hawaii goes right down the field and scores, and you're like, uh-oh, here we go again <laughs> with Vandy. And they bounce back, and they beat the absolute hell out of a Division One team on the road. So it was, uh, it, was, it was a step in the right direction for Vanderbilt, and that is probably the last time for a long time where we talk about Vanderbilt football. So uh, there you go. All right, for my loser of the weekend, please tell me you saw the Ravens mascot situation. No. Oh, man. Okay. So the Ravens mascot is a Raven named Poe. And they were doing a little thing where, you know, you're playing some some football at halftime with kids, right? Entertainment, halftime entertainment. And one of the kids kind of rolled him up, Ted. And I think Poe tore his ACL. Oh. And I really respect whoever is the mascot. They kept the head on the entire time. Like getting put on the cart, still kept the mascot head on. And just it I felt for him, but I do appreciate someone that is that dedicated to the craft. And I hope Poe makes a full recovery. Cause that dude blows me out for sure. Oh man, I'm seeing the video of them loading him on the uh loading him on the cart. Oh, okay. Here's the video. Oh yeah. Huh? Are you, what is he playing quarterback? He got sacked. There, <laughs> little the little gator roll. Oh no, that's brutal. I hate that for him right there in front of everyone. But at least, not very many people know the true identity. It's just you know you hide under that mask. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. All right. I also thought about going with the Seattle Seahawks because Pete Carroll announced that Geno Smith's going to be their starting quarterback, and he was in a battle with Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Did it play particularly well in the preseason when he got to play? Remember, he had COVID at one point. He he did Drew Locke things, right? But remember, they could have gotten Baker Mayfield. I mean, it was out there. Yeah. They could have gone and gotten Baker Mayfield, and now they're stuck with Geno Smith. And maybe that's the way they want it. Maybe they are, you know, kind of low-key tanking to try to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, someone in this next draft, right, to be at the top of the draft. But they could have easily gone and gotten Baker, and they would have been much more competitive in the NFC West this season than they're going to be with Geno Smith. So it's going to be a long season for the Seahawks, and they kind of did it to themselves, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how Geno Smith operates. It's been a while since he's he's had a chance. It feels like kind of the, the last thing we heard about Geno Smith was the – the fight in the locker room when he got his jaw broke and been pretty quiet for him ever since that. Um, interesting opportunity. Got some talent to throw to. I mean, that's the thing is, is you got some dudes to throw to out there. But all of that being said, I, am I crazy for thinking that I like the Carolina uh, situation better for Baker? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of, criticizing the Seahawks because oh, yeah. Yeah. it seems like they could have made that move 
because remember the Panthers were waiting and waiting, you know, and now, Hey, by the way, the Panthers quarterback situation, did you see that Darnold went down? Yeah. Yep. So corral down, Darnold down. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, stay healthy Baker. They need to wrap him up in bubble wrap. No, but uh, yeah, just, uh, Geno Smith should not be a starter at this point in the NFL, in my opinion. So it is what it is, I suppose. Yeah. You at least that division isn't talented. Out West Virginia, great game. Was well, a great game. We won. Never in my never seen a more it's just the weirdest locker room ever after that game. Like all the offensive guys celebrating, all the defensive guys looked like they were crying. It was so weird. It was the same, it was the exact same as the whatever year that Texas Tech game was. Oh, the Mahomes, uh, Mahomes yeah. Mayfield game. Was that Ooh. 16, 2016? Yeah. It had the exact same feel as that one. Yeah. All right. But my loser of the week, and this is, I know this is some really sensitive stuff, but I think it's important. It's important to talk about. And I know a lot of kids listen, but uh, the Buffalo Bill, Bills are my loser of the week. Uh, the matter rises situation. And I, I don't want to go into all the details of it because very graphic, uh, disturbing stuff. Um, I guess I'll say if he, and I know he's come out and denied any, he's looking forward to say, you know, he, he wants to clear his name, all that. But if he did the stuff he's accused of doing, he should go to prison for a very long time. Now, uh, the most important thing in this situation is that justice is served. You know, we, you know, that I'll leave it at that. But when you look at it, just from the bill's perspective, it's really confusing for me. And that's why they're my loser of the weekend because it's and it's a little unclear what the Bills leadership knew and when they knew it. I, I don't think they knew any of this stuff when they drafted him, but they knew about this stuff on Monday when they chose Ariza over Matt Hawk. Right? They cut and Hawk was their punter last year, and they cut him on Monday. Ted, I just don't understand when you have this information. It's a punter. It's not a star quarterback. It's a punter, man. And I know he had the 80 whatever yard punt. I get it. But this is a franchise that's been doing everything right for these last couple of years. They've really been building under Brandon Bede, the GM, and under Sean McDermott, the head coach. I mean, Josh Allen is an absolute star at quarterback. A lot of people view them as the favorite to come out of the AFC. Like A lot of people picking them to go to the Super Bowl. And now you create this situation where this is going to be a story for your franchise all season long. Like this is going to hang over the Buffalo Bills like a really dark cloud. And it's over a punter, man. I, I just don't. And, and once again, the most important thing is that if that stuff happened to that woman, that like it's the justice is served. I want to make that clear. But just from a football perspective, me on the scale of, you know, what you'll put up with and like the, you know, the player, like punter. Why? I, I just, I'm dumbfounded by it. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's the right thing to do period. And I don't know all of the, the details of this thing. So it's hard to say like, like just to, yeah. And you're, you're going to have the people, Hey, innocent until proven guilty right. in, the, in the, in the justice system. Like, the legal process 
is going to run its course. Like Matterize is going to get his due process. That's how that's how this thing works. But when it's you just just a quick little cost benefit, exactly with, with the punter is like, hey, we've heard his side of the story. What he's saying seems legit. It's a bad situation, but we tend to believe what he's saying. But is it worth it for us? to keep him on on our roster not knowing the full extent of what's going on here the answer is clearly no clearly no right it's it's strange but hey i i'm just imagining and brandon bean's got an awesome reputation as a general manager and i'm just imagining like you become aware of this information you you've got to cut someone between the punters and I know maybe, Hey, maybe Hawk wasn't great for him last year. I get that, but I just don't know how you look at that situation. And you're like, now we're going to keep a rise. Yeah. We will, we'll handle that. Like that just, that blows my mind, man. It's the punter. Right. Well, you know, here's an interesting thing and I don't know the answer to this, but is there a, is there is there is there like a maybe a liability or I I don't know what I'm trying to say here. If you cut a guy and he turns out to be totally innocent, like what is your what are you exposing yourself to? Well, they cut him, so yeah. I mean, I mean, I but it looks bad whenever you do it after you yeah get the you, blowback. That's what I'm saying, like. And maybe they got some more information and everything, and it, it sounds like maybe they did, but I don't know. I just don't know when you faced with shocked. that choice. Right. Like, hey, we got everything going for us as an organization. Let's let's risk the reputation and create this huge distraction over a punter. Like I, I know. just I it's the like I said, the the quick little cost benefit is like He's a punter. We'll cut him. He'll be on the open market. If there's an opportunity to where he's proven to be innocent, like this thing didn't happen, guess what we can do? We can pick him up. You know? Yeah. Wild. No, I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure that's something that is uh, going to drag out for a while. But yeah, it just, that whole thing, uh, just that situation is ugh, awful. Yeah. All right. Episode 244 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday night-ish. You'll probably listen to it on Thursday morning. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Happy game week, people. Cheer. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
for just one more time.